Hi, and welcome once again to What's the Damage? Companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D show, World for Damage. I'm back this week, um, but with Serrani's knee impression, I'm sure none of you even noticed, it was excellent. Uh, so the intrigue, <laughs> the intrigue continued on Friday as the Shields of Twilight continued to try and unravel the complex, complex web of mystery, politics, magic, and shifting alliances, which is Oriana's hometown. Oriana herself had an emotional reunion with her mother, who she had not seen since she ran away from home months and months ago, uh, before the campaign even started, so it's been a while. Uh, but there wasn't much time to, re to relax in Oriana's foyer, as the party had a lead, and the people they were attempting to track down might be very close indeed, as in, like, right about on top of where the inn they were all staying was. That was super close. <laughs> uh, but the unfortunately, the party's su surveillance, I can't talk today. The party surveillance didn't show up many results, uh, sadly, but they all did manage to get drugged and kidnapped by unknown assailants. So they're probably on the right track. That's usually a sign that you're on the right track. And we will be talking about all of that starting in just a minute. As always, stick around after the stream for links, charities, and resources. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. I've got three wonderful guests joining me today. We've got Jake, who plays Oriana, the wanted criminal. We've got <laughs> we've got wanted well, war criminal. Wanted war criminal to be you gotta, you gotta no, put that red no, 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 traitor, not war criminal, traitor. traitor. I've heard both things bandied about this whole time. Yeah, yeah. Slightly different. Um yeah, Still carries the death penalty. Um, then we got Laura, who plays Peregrine, uh, a druid who is probably really confused by all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we've got Chad, who plays Quinn, who is very eager to kill some people who made her some kids. <laughs> what? Any Smite. <laughs> Smite time. Paladins have one gear. Smite. Okay. That's just—it's not my fault. It's in the book. Sometimes they smite, sometimes they heal. That's true. That way. Um, anyway, so guys, the intrigue continues. What is the damage? I hate it. 
<laughs> uh, emotional damages for Chad. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to decide what the actual damage is at this point. Mm-hmm. Is it our relationships with our allies? I mean, only if Campion has anything to say about it. He's he's like whittling away. Like every time someone's nice to us, he's like, "What the fuck do you want? Like, what is your deal? I must I must alienate you as quickly as possible." Did he alienate this episode? He keeps trying to alienate most people we come in contact with. He tried to um, tried he to ransack Oriana's no parents' reason. house quietly. He tried to make Lex believe that he was willing to be a bomber slash mass murderer. So, like, there was a lot going on. Plus, he kind of pissed off most of the people in the room with him anyway. So, like, yeah, it was fair, fun. You pissed him off too. That's a mutual thing. Yeah. Anyway. So Oriana had a big episode. Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah. yeah. Um, so something that I am curious about is we, we talked about this a little bit before, and you, I think you touched on this last week a little. Um but to what degree was Oriana aware that she was in trouble? Um, not as bad. She didn't think it was as bad as it was, mm-hmm. but she knew it was worse than she was leading on. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a little afraid that her friends would try to stall out the plan in order to try and keep Oriana off the radar when in mm-hmm. reality, in her opinion, she felt like the best path forward was to just get it over with and try and convince uh, the leaders of her country that she wasn't trying to do something that terrible. She was naive, a little bit stupid, and she is worthy of proving herself valuable enough uh, Mm -hmm. to them that they shouldn't want to kill her, at least not right away. At least not right away. Um, so when, when Oriana left um, her home country, it, it was my impression that she had thought that like the government was super corrupt or something like that. So if she thought that, why was she so convinced that she could convince them not to kill her? Yeah, when she first left, basically Damien had filled her head with lies and half-truths and things like that. And she had mm. bought into it. So when she left, she thought she was leaving because she was going to be, you know, forced into a loveless marriage to a a leader of her country. And that's all that she would ever be. Um, You know, she heard about some of the horrors of war that her country had committed and thought that the current government was directly responsible to it. Turns out it was the people they actually overthrew that were responsible for it. So there was a lot of misconceptions that she had about it. And it wasn't until, um, I think it was when we met uh, Liz and Charlie Mm -hmm. and Charlie kind of talked a little bit about her home that things just didn't really seem to be adding up anymore. And at that point she kind of decided, okay, well, or no, I think it was right before that actually, because she messaged her, she sending her mom and then mm-hmm. realized later that, wait a minute, she didn't even react to that magic. What? That's kind of weird. And then 
when Charlie uh, talked about her uh, a, a trill, that's when she kind of was like, am I missing something here? And that's when I decided to sending um, uh, Cade. Mm-hmm. And he basically told Oriana some things that just weren't adding up for her. Eventually she ended up messaging Damien, really saw things weren't adding up. So her journey to go home was really kind of like, I just want the damn truth. What's going on? And yet, party heard word none about any of these concerns or the fact that she was a treasonous criminal. Hmm. I wonder why that is. (laughs) Yeah, so actually, why did Oriana choose not to brief her friends? Yeah, make it good, bitch. (laughs) Don't be rude on my show. Um, (laughs) I know, that's your job. Yeah, it's my job. (laughs) 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 Only I call y'all bitches. Um, Anyway, yeah, but why, why did Orion choose to not tell her friends any of that? Especially since, like, this is, she knew this is going to be, like, a super important, like, fact-finding mission for her because she wanted to know the truth about her home and, like, uncover all the lies. And, like, she still doesn't know really what's true. You're still in the process of figuring that out. No, still trying to figure that out, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so when she left, she didn't know Damien escaped at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, she should have been able to put two and two together but like I said she was naive back then she didn't understand um, so when she found out Damien escaped she thought oh I'm going to be in big trouble I'm the reason he escaped but she didn't know that he was a full on war criminal mm-hmm. so that's where the kind of like cutoff came for Oriana of a okay well I, I know it's going to be bad but it's not going to be like that bad so she thought Telling my friends is just going to cause them to want to be overly cautious. We're going to take mm-hmm. it too slow. I'd rather just get it over with and try and figure out how I can fix this and, you know, I, to learn the truth. Um, then when she gets there and realizes just how bad the crime was, that's when she's thinking, well, maybe I should have told my friends what we're getting. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little. I mean, like... yeah, tiny bit of information. Yeah. Maybe just a sprinkle, but you know, hindsight is <laughs> 2020. Um, observation, this not the first time Orion's done something similar. Um, I remember it was a big hullabaloo a, a while back. Like this is when you're hanging out in those caves and getting ore and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. when Oriana uh, kept information from the group in order to steer them in a certain direction. It's a very common trick of hers, yes. It, it's slowly becoming a personality trait of Oriana's, whether that's for the good or the bad, uh, remains to be seen. No, it doesn't. Um, uh, it's no. bad. It's, it's very it's bad. bad. Um, it's definitely interesting. It's an interesting. It's an interesting turn. I'm not um, saying it isn't interesting. I am, however, gonna, saying bad. <laughs> not going to increase her friendship level with Harry. Well, she gets um, so no, that's gonna make it worse, true. No, no, she got to get better at it, so no one notices. So when when it came to the cave thing, this was you know, right after she had basically promised to try to, to give Asmodeus a chance to try and figure out if she was comfortable uh following him. And the like one little crumpet of information that he had given her about uh what it takes to follow him is to be a leader, whether that's through, you know, deceiving people, uh, using your your 
your own knowledge to lead people in a direction that you know is safe or correct. And that was, in the caves, her first real attempt to try and follow Asmodeus, which was part of the reason why uh, she got really hostile with Perry about it, because she's trying to follow this path. She doesn't quite understand it yet. And she was hoping that when we got to Zuma, uh, we would be able to learn more about it and either finally decide, okay, this, this isn't for me, or okay, I see how I can do this my way. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then other things got in the way. With this, it was a, it was a little bit of that again, of, per, of uh, not, not Perry, Oriana trying to lead the group um, by selectively giving them information. Um, <laughs> but if she had known how bad it how bad it was, she would have been completely honest with the group and told everybody. She really thought like, okay, I'll probably go to jail, but I'll have a chance to prove that I'm worth more to the country alive than I am in prison mm-hmm. or dead, and it'll be fine. She did not think, oh, my face is going to be plastered on every tree in the city. <laughs> and uh, Every street corner. <laughs> yeah, like, they, she did oh, not. At least you're famous. You could probably launch a career off of this. <laughs> Get a little talk show. You could. Yeah, I'm Probably. Use those wanted posters as, like, your album cover. People would come, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fun times. Um, I do want to move on, but something you said made me curious. Um, so in what way is Oriana more valuable to the country alive? Uh, through her skills, mostly. That's what she's trying to sell herself as. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, she's kind of done that before. She actually does it quite a lot. Um, when the Efreet was trying to take us all prisoners, she basically tried to barter herself as a noble of a trill who might be worth a lot to you know get the rest of the group's freedom (laughs) but that's kind of how she sees herself in a way almost like in terms of a commodity of what i can do for you in a way and that's a little bit based on how she was raised and a little bit based on how the culture works in a trail of you are worth what your worth is so show us what you're worth She's also noble, so. Yeah, well, I, that, that. <laughs> um, awesome. So, what what's all this like for Perry and Quinn? Um, because you've both been friends with Oriana for quite a while. This is the first time you're really seeing what her home is like, what her family is like, and um, what all the drama is like. Um, I mean, first of all, like Perry was given one perception shall we say, of what Oriana's home life was. Like Oriana talked a lot about like she ran away because she didn't want to be forced to get married and Mm -hmm. everything sucks and nobody understands me and I'm poor pitiful damsel in distress. And and it's none of that. No. At all. (laughs) And partially Perry is a little bit annoyed because like Perry comes from a very happy, very large family, and she values that, and she appreciates that, and to be, she felt bad for Oriana, like, when they first met, like, oh, it Mm -hmm. sucks, my mom is great, 
my dad's awesome. I've got like these great brothers and shit. Your life sucked. I'm so sorry. And then she meets Helena and she's like, your mom is awesome. What the hell? (laughs) And there's like this little bit of envy because Perry, especially now is very worried about what she's coming home to. Like she doesn't know if she's going to even get to see her parents again. What if she takes too long and she gets back and they're sick or they're dead? So like there's this like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's this like a little bit of envy and like trying to be the bigger person about it, but she kind of wants to kick Oriana's ass a little bit for A, not understanding what she had and B, treating her family who loved her like shit. That's interesting. It does give this a kind of another layer of personalness for Perry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as far as me, that's a lot of what would be going through Quinn's mind on all of this because, again, she did describe everything as being, you know, terrible. Her parents always trying to force her into something or other, you know, describe as very, very domineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, fairly uncaring from the way that she was putting it a lot of times like you know you're going to do this because this is what you need to do we ha- you have to do this we don't give a shit if you like it or not that that was the vibe she gave off of literally everything about her home life and then we get there and not only is her home big enough to fit like a good percentage of the village where Quinn is from like inside of it but everybody is night everybody was nice to her her mother obviously cares very, very deeply and only wants the best for her and only wants her to be happy and only wants to be supportive. And then part of what is thinking, bitch. <laughs> and, I, and like the thought of slapping her in the back of the head after mom left the room did go through his mind, but doing that in her home may have been a bit like, that would have been the bridge too far, I think. I like you kicked out, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the, just very briefly, like, I want to slap her right behind the horns, but I'm not going to. We're going to save this for the next time. <laughs> just, to be yeah. fair, I would like to defend myself a little bit. No. Oriana did mention after she talked to her mom and Kate that she may have had a bad perception of it. And oh God, what if my mom doesn't forgive me for all the shitty things I've done to her? So Oriana was aware that what she had done was shitty before she came back. That's why she was worried about coming back. Yeah, I know that's yeah, which is fair. Fair. However, there was still a mountain of bullshit what was shoveled before we got to that point. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and Oriana knew it was bullshit from the back room. I just want to give I just want to give a little tidbit of information from from Serenity here. Uh, Helena is based on my actual mother. So my mother is very much always trying to find me like companions and like, she's like, I just want me (laughs) taken care of. Yeah. Like always wants to set me up to, to do stuff. And so from a child's perspective, like when I was younger, she was very overprotective. She was very like in my face all the time. I hated it as a kid. And as an adult, I've realized how much I appreciate that and how good that was for me. Um, and how much she just loves me unconditionally. And so uh, I wanted that twist with with Helena. So just just a little tidbit for everyone. Oh, your mom's dope as fuck. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I enjoyed it thoroughly. 
Yeah, what was I just gonna ask? I got distracted. How, yeah, how old is Ariana? I forget. Uh, 22, I think, is what I oh, have. That on. makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if you're really like, in your early 20s, you're just yeah. this person. She, she's yeah. an adult, but she's still a kid. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's... She's an adult in the purpose, for, like, legal purposes, but otherwise, no. Yeah, so she was still a rebellious teen quite recently. Yeah. 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 And this is kind of like the age when you start to realize that, like, your parents are wholly formed people who are different than perhaps your perceptions of them. Although I will point out um, that everybody's just assuming that Helen is completely telling the truth. She is not necessarily. I mean, that's that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but can I really in- insight check my Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what the I mean, dice are there for, Jake, I, to mm. insight check people you don't trust. To, to be fair, Oriana would, Oriana would, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, no. Yeah, we can't no. insult Sarandi. <laughs> uh, no, I, Oriana was too happy to see her mom to really think mm-hmm. about stuff like that anyway, so she doesn't care. She just wanted to enjoy being back with her mom. Yeah, so Oriana had a very emotional, like, scene with her mom when they got to, like, reconnect um, for the first time in a while. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, it is everything I hoped for and more, honestly. Like, that was, that was probably my fate. That probably will be my favorite part of the campaign until the end of the campaign. Um, being able to sort of explore that connection with Oriana, because that is, that is the person that she had the most interaction with growing up. I, I don't even want to call it a relationship, because for Oriana, it was a little bit hostile, at least to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the person who cared about her the most it is the person who was watching out for her and realizing that and then eventually coming back and seeing this person again for Oriana is just it, it it's I, I see all my mistakes I see everything I've done wrong I don't know if this person can forgive me and the first thing Oriana's mom does is come and give her a hug mm-hmm. and that that's the validation that Oriana needed. Very cute. <laughs> um, awesome. So before we move on, uh, what's Oriana's dad like? Um, I personally left it kind of vague in, in the backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mom was the only one I really wrote about that much. Um, for her dad, he uh, is a high general in the military. Um, so I imagine he's pretty sort of straightforward to the mm-hmm. point. Um, I'm guessing since he's not home right now that he's probably off fighting somewhere or you know leading troops somewhere. Um, and I would imagine that's kind of been, that, that would be indicative mm-hmm. of Oriana's entire youth dad's always away mom's always around kind of thing mm-hmm. um and I think that kind of helped contribute to the sense that Oriana felt like her mother was just being uh mean to her and trying to do all these things to her because her mom was always around but dad wasn't that makes sense um okay uh, one more thing so what does Oriana like, how does she feel about Cade now that she's actually met him and spoken to him? 
uh, now that she's actually met him, spoken to him, and seen how nice he is, um, I, I was going to say kind, but she doesn't know if he's kind yet. Um, he's, he's definitely nice. He definitely seems like a, a decent person. And for Oriana, that's enough that she's willing to kind of sit down and actually get to know him. Um, and especially after, you know, he revealed so much about, you know, uh, him and him and her mother basically almost, almost conspiring in a sense to try and get Oriana to finally meet him and get to know him. But uh, the fact that they they personally let Oriana do all of the things she did so that she would eventually just open up and give him a chance. She's wants to give him that chance now. So maybe after, you know, the guillotine isn't an option anymore and uh, we're, we're in the clear and not worried for our lives, maybe she'll sit down and have a nice long conversation with him and see where it goes. I mean, with how fraught the political situation is, I think the guillotine might stick around. Um, speak. <laughs> Speaking yep. of that, so expanding a little bit on to like the overall the exciting plot stuff that's happening. Um, so I feel like your three characters are all kind of straightforward thinkers. Um, mm -hmm. Like Oriana is experimenting in manipulation, like Perry is sort of like adapting to how the outside world is increasingly. Uh, but I do feel like you're all pretty straightforward. So what's it like for these people to be like, caught up in this twisty turny complicated like political shit a fucking nightmare <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna let for, chad say that first because he says that like after every session quinn mm -hmm. hates yeah because i mean look as a player <laughs> i'm into this I'm, yeah no as a player i'm pretty i'm pretty into this because uh -huh. like this is really interesting however i am playing the wrong character for this kind of shit I got a warlock who could turn this fucking town inside out and run it inside of a week, but this is not who I have. I have the dude from like some backwater island that only knows what people would bring into port about like, you know, what else goes on elsewhere, had no care for politics and no need to care for politics. And now he's in this, you know, viper's nest. In the shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, okay someone's murdering children. I need to find the person that's murdering these children and either bring them to justice or send them to meet their maker. Either one is good for me. Which way do I go? And then it's like, okay, well, it's either, if you do find someone, it's probably like you maybe find the person who did the, they're not even the person who decided to do the thing. The order came from like seven people up a chain. Mm -hmm. So like, how far is this going to like, God damn it. <laughs> Uh, just like just please line them up just line them up for me yeah, just, yeah get them in a row and then just boom just start like hitting heads like it's fucking t-ball practice yeah. you know <laughs> or whack-a-mole yeah <laughs> but yeah no quinn detests this place mm -hmm. especially after the end of the night and would very much like to leave and never return <laughs> whenever Aww. we are settled Perry is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like she, she's not naive enough to think that everybody sees the world the way she does. Like if you just tell it like it is and, and, and you get the job done and you tell the truth where you need to, it's fine. Like she knows that that's not how the real world works. 
And yeah, okay, back home, there were people who lied and stuff. So it's not like she's like, oh my God, people tell lies. Nobody tells the truth around here. Um, but for her, it's it's the idea that you literally can only trust the people that you've been with this whole time. And that's kind of why like the whole relationship with Oriana, Perry's really glad that they're friends again, like mm-hmm. really friends again. Because if she couldn't trust someone within their group right now, it would make it so much worse. Her anxiety levels are already through the roof because she's always afraid. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to tell the wrong person the truth mm-hmm. because I don't have a filter. Um, and it's sort of also why she's kind of butted heads with camping a little bit mm-hmm. and Cenric a little bit because like part of it is Cenric said something about, well, here the laws work. And Perry that. took that very personally. Like, yeah. do you think I'm some sort of ignorant savage? Um, <laughs> like, literally, Perry said. Some law, just a, as some sort of lawless village. Everybody shits in the woods. No, I mean, like, Perry's uncomfortable, but she's like, okay, I understand. Like, I can't, I can't trust the bartender. I'm not going to tell him. I'm, I'm here looking for the strangled vine who I think are corrupt. Um. Oh. And like, she was very careful, especially when they found out that Bardock might be a child murderer and everybody hated him. Mm-hmm. She was like, mm, let's not say anything else to these people. Like at all, let's walk away before we, you know, stick our foot in our mouth. Um, but for her, it's just awkward because she doesn't know who she can and cannot talk to or tell things to. Meanwhile, Oriana loves this. <laughs> of course does she, she does. Is. Uh... In, in this in the sense of it's very um, stimulating for her it keeps her on her feet it keeps her thinking at all times she's you know try she's trying to put herself in, in her enemy's position of you know if I were the strangled vine with unlimited resources how would I go about this which was part of the reason why she didn't want to uh, spend the night at the the tavern and instead go back mm-hmm. to her home but uh, one thing she didn't account for paralytics in the food yeah yeah no i'm in this town none of us accounted for that like at all Um, yeah i mean going forward uh purify food and drink is a spell that the paladin is going to keep prepared like permanently (laughs) or we're eating rations forever and next person goes down from being roofied in a bar and just like well you made your fucking choice and then go back (laughs) to eating my god-awful jerky Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like people were checking you out while you were attempting to check them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that um, this whole situation does suit Oriana's skill set since she is a charisma based character. So this is kind of an investigation, charisma, deception type of plot. Yeah. As, it, as our politics. It, it, it's all intelligence and charisma, which are mm-hmm. Oriana's bread and butter stats. It's, it's the two stats she's really good in. Lovely. Um, do, 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 do. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about Quinn since he is very uncomfortable in this whole situation. Yes. Uh, he was very eager to bash heads over um, the alleged child murder. And mm-hmm. it kind of made me wonder, do you think Quinn has become more comfortable using violence 
since he kind of like embraced Bane as well as Melora as well as all the other gods because um, he's always been like a decently violent character but mm-hmm. he used to feel conflicted about it I feel like yeah I mean he used to be a lot more conflicted about mm-hmm. about having to use violence to do things but at this point because of everything that they have had to do it's become more of this is a means to an end like violence for the sake of violence is still not something that needs to be done except for that one time he really really wanted to punch campion but that's like the that's like the exception that he said they has so far mm-hmm. but yeah violence is a way to get things accomplished and to make sure that people can stay safe and that anyone who is trying to do great evil does not get the chance to continue to do so Mm. it's become more of an acceptable thing just because uh, again because of like what they have encountered and how they have had to go about things so far so he would like to resolve things more diplomatically more often but usually the things well i mean if given the chance but usually the chance isn't there. It's more like, okay, I have to smash this thing. So I'm going to just fuck it. I'm going to smash this thing. Just get on the smashy train and then let's go. Toot, toot. <laughs> toot, toot, motherfucker. Yeah. Um, All aboard the fucking pain train. <laughs> Love it. Um, awesome. So you've all been drugged. Do you think it's a string of fun? I have no idea, but probably. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a 50-50 shot. Either that or there's a third party that's also there been interested be. in us that we know nothing party. about, in which yeah. case I have even more questions and fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about where I am. If it... My theory is if it's not the strangled vine, then it's the cult using the strangled vine to get to us. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I, I honestly don't know which one is more likely at this point, um, but I, I fully believe that we were poisoned by a member of the Strangled Vine, whether it was for them or for someone else, not sure. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I also learned early on that I'm never going to know what the DM is doing. And unlike certain people in this chat, I don't try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, like every time for, for the viewing, our, <laughs> for the viewing audience, those of you who you know aren't part of the call where we're all playing at the end of a session, when the DM like drops us in a cliffhanger, every <laughs> single time I am not being hyperbolic at all, Jake, it's like, oh, I think I know what she's doing. And then like, <laughs> he will say what it is. And usually DM keeps a really good poker face. Sometimes though, she's like, no, fuck you. You're wrong. That is absolutely not what I'm doing. But either way, whether she says it right there on the day that he is completely wrong, or we wait until next week where he just finds out he's completely wrong. 100% of the time, completely wrong. Your theories are garbage. Sorry oh, to tell you. <laughs> But he is not like he's batting absolute zero. We'll have to like make a little. Let's do a little celebration when you finally get one right. Look, statistically, yeah, yeah. you you get one right. I will mail you a fucking cake. I'm like, (laughs) I feel like I did get one right. Hold on. 
No, you not at all. You've never been right. Not at all. I mean, that's, that's part of the, the beauty of, of, of our little virtual table, though, is we all, in the back of our minds, may have theories. Jake's probably the only one willing to, like, tell everybody what his mm. theory is because mm-hmm. he doesn't care whether we know whether he's wrong or not. See, yeah. I keep it close to the chest because I don't want to know if I'm wrong or if I'm right. <laughs> Jay just finds out in game because he'll act on his theories immediately. This and then his reaction is always, oh, I knew it. Oh no, it's a real dragon. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, good times. Uh, awesome. Well, with that, we are going to move on for our topic today. And this is kind of a little nebulous topic. I don't have um, a single sentence explanation for it. So we've touched a little bit on this topic in the past. We talked about how to deal with like difficult people at the table. Um, but somebody suggested this topic in particular, which is selfishness in particular at the table, which is of course a complete anathema to D&D since it's such a collaborative and cooperative game by its very nature. Um, so we usually start with, with uh, definitions. What do we mean? when we say selfishness in terms of D&D and how does that manifest like in players and even in the DM? Hmm. Uh, it, it is that person who's like, I'm going to go off and do this. Okay. DM goes to the other characters to talk about something, says something interesting. Oh, oh yes, I'm here now. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm remembering very clearly someone we were playing with who would have their character get bored and take a nap. And then when yeah. something would get and interesting, be like, oh, can I wake up now for this? Like, motherfucker, no. you said it's nap time. <laughs> you are snoozing comfortably. Shit up. Yeah, um, I would say the other thing is, you know, someone who consistently like session after session you know monopolizes the dm's time Mm -hmm. and i I mean that in a like it's like sometimes it happens sometimes your character gets singled out for a cinematic scene or they get off on their own and it's gonna take a while to get you back but there's also if it's well here we are for the fourth session in a row and your character has had a scene for two hours and i've definitely finished six chapters in this book while you're doing it um <laughs> on camera is one of the, like, like, yeah, yeah I'm literally like reading war and peace you're like i'm almost done no, got no, through the war uh, <laughs> that to me is one of one of the things that i think is mm-hmm. like one of the most selfish and i think that that's like the antithesis of dnd like this mm-hmm. is our story we all are supposed to be here rolling dice and doing some shit. Yeah, I I, I agree because it's basically yes and with math. That's that's what D and D is, and you can't yes and yourself indefinitely. But the thing I would add on is it's the selfishness would come in with the person who is not only just going off what you guys said, trying to. Uh, always insert themselves whenever they had moved on to something else potentially or always trying to monopolize the M's time. The person who is always trying to force their character into the forefront, but also the, the person who is always acting in ways that are completely counter to what everyone else is trying to do and using the fantastic excuse of, well, it's what my character would do. I don't care if it's what your character would do. Your character is a piece of shit if they're going to be basically trying to force literally everything into a brick wall, because that's what you want and yeah. not what everybody else is trying to do too. 
Yeah, in in the most broad terms, I would define selfishness um, when it comes to D&D as prioritizing your own fun to the de- detriment of other people's fun. Just like- Yes. That is a perfect definition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we so all these examples have kind of been stuff that players do. Can DMs be selfish to the detriment of their players? Yes, yes, definitely. If a DM really has something that they want the players to do, like they have only bothered to plan for this one contingency, they only have this one mm-hmm. thing, and they don't want to see what else the players can make of it, uh, then railroading, extreme railroading, is a fantastic example of selfishness in a dm not like you know minor railroading we all we all fucking do it you know like a little bit like okay i really want you guys to get people back on track and that's Mm -hmm. the only way to do it like i really want you guys to go over here because i spent a lot of fucking time making this quest and making this loot and you're gonna go collect it god damn it (laughs) but that's like (laughs) go get the stuff i made for you But then there's the well i don't really want to tell whatever story they're trying to tell i want to tell this if that's what you want to do, write a book. Like agreed. But yeah, like when it gets to be completely extreme with you're forcing the narrative to go in this direction because mm-hmm. it's what you want and only what you want. Yeah. Then that's the where the DM selfishism come in. Yeah, agreed. I think that can that can happen. I think if DMs get too attached to their own stories because it has to be flexible mm-hmm. and kind of like you said, like if you're trying to write a book using other people, it's not gonna go. That great. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, they're, they're not going to go in directions where you're like, that doesn't fit the plot. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, they're they're yeah. not your writer's room. They're not going to give you the product you want. They're not your writer's room. Um, lovely. Um, so, kind of, here's a question. To what degree do you think you are owed a good time at the table? And to what degree are you responsible for everybody at the table having a good time? Equally equal parts like 50 50 like you are when you when you show up it is a game so game implies fun Mm -hmm. just you know from basic terminology so by showing up you are in some way guaranteed to at least have some sort of enjoyment but by participating in the social contract of tabletop games you are also obligated to make sure that however it is you're having fun is able to help others and enable their fun. Having fun to the exclusion of other people is not really what this is. If that's what you want, there are video games that don't involve multiplayer. Go get one. (laughs) Have fun there. Yeah. I hate multiplayer games, to be perfectly honest. I hate playing with other people. I just hate it. In video game terms, I hate playing with other people. Um, D&D is the one game I actually like playing with others, but other than that, forget it. Like tabletop, wonderful. Video games, no. No, I don't don't want to play with you over there across the country that I've never met. Yeah. Yeah, shut up, you foul-mouthed teenage child. I do not wish to speak with you. Random 12-year-old, yeah. (laughs) Um, Wonderful. So um, I believe Chad uh, gave an example of this, but have you, had, have you ever had like a game made not fun by a player who was just too self-absorbed? Yes. Yes. 100%. Examples, please. Mm. Jake, you go first. Uh, yeah, you, ha- you had the immediate response. Yeah, I was, go for it. I was running, I've used this example before, I think, actually. Um, but I was running a, a custom homebrew 3.5 edition game 
Uh, and this guy wanted to be some crazy, you know, Sun Wukong type race. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, whatever. It's fine. Uh, and he wanted to play a monk. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. That, that's fine. He then wanted to multi-class into Barbarian. Mm-hmm. And, I told, and I said, okay, I mean, sure, but you got to have a reason to do it. And he's like, oh, and then I'll get uh, uh, both unarmored movements. So I'm like, oh, 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 that's not how that works. You only get one. Oh, oh, well, then I don't want Barbarian. All right, whatever. Uh, he then did the very classic, uh, I'm going this way. Oh, wait, something interesting is happening with the other group. Uh, I'm, I'm here now. I'm here now. I turn around, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I never left. Yeah. Uh, he would literally try to hoard every magic item that he got access to. Mm-hmm. If, if he could use it, uh, he, he tried to argue that he should have it. Um, to the point where eventually a bunch of players approached me and were like, yeah, we're not comfortable playing the game anymore because of him. We're going to leave. And I'm like, okay, well, hold on. If literally every other table's a, every other person at the table is about to leave, mm-hmm. you don't leave. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of him. A power gamer. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jen and I have discovered that, that we have friends that we can be friends with but cannot play D&D with. Yes. Um, and it happens. Like, your play styles are vastly different. Um, but we were playing with another couple, um, and they had a tendency to always create characters who were connected in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, to to the to the point that they would often like, oh no, we're gonna take sides against your character no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reached a point where at one point they they like to play into stereotypes. So um, the decision was made that she would play a high elf and she would dive deep into the high elves are very racist Mm. trope. Um, And she was like, I think a mix of like a high elf and a sun elf or something like that so that she could keep making this I'm a half breed too joke to the other half elf in the party, which spoilers was not Laura's character. Uh, yeah, there was also, there was that, but like I was also playing an Asimar, so I was half celestial. Um, but the idea of, no, I don't ever want to do anything. Like, mm-hmm. oh, here's the quest. No, I'm going to sit here and read my book. I don't care. Um, and this was not, I'm going to sit here and read like the Tome of Wisdom. This was, I'm, I picked up a fictional book in the latest shop we went by and I'm sitting here and I'm going to keep playing, reading this book. I don't want to participate. Um, and just in general, like mean things, like in-game mean. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm going to break into your cabin and I'm just going to sit here and shocking grasp your door until it melts and steal all Why? your shit <laughs> for no reason, for petty bullshit. Um, and we found that these two players are very selfish and they play their way. I don't play that way. I'm here to tell a story and to tell a story with people I like. Um, so there was a tendency to just like drive the narrative their way, no matter what, and exclude everyone else to the mm-hmm. point of making them uncomfortable. Um, and that was a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the session in which the super racist elf character was introduced was also the last time we ever played together so that was mm-hmm. kind of like the, the straw what broke the game's spine well that was because the, it, it had initially been the hyper pacifist centaur 
Yeah. I've heard about this one too. Uh, yeah, yeah. She didn't want to do anything. She didn't want to participate in combat. Yeah. <laughs> um, or anything else. And then when her character died because she didn't do anything, I think that she got bitter. Like she wouldn't even let us like help her get escape the city being bombed. Um, so that was the end of it. Such a waste to send our character. That's such a cool race. Um, I know, right? Right. Yeah. It was my little cleric. Her symbol was on her butt and everything. It was great. Mm-hmm. The holy <laughs> symbol was a cutie mark. Yeah. That's, that's great. I would play the hell out of that character. Um, yeah. Anyway, so like we were talking earlier about like that one character who like always inserts themselves straight into the action, but that's, I think that is kind of the opposite. The character who never wants to be part of what the party is doing. And that's kind of like, the flip side, but mm-hmm. it's a different kind of selfishness. Yeah, because... it's it's different extremes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So kind of jumping off of um, the the racist elf yeah. <laughs> thing. So like selfishness can be a character trait for a PC, and like yes. PCs are assholes sometimes. How do you play a selfish character without like having it make you a selfish player? Like how do you keep that in character only while still being a fun character? fun person to play with and a fun character to interact with despite the fact that your character is selfish (laughs) i think you need to be really self-aware and know like where the lines are Mm. like there are times when and i'm not saying you're meta but you know okay well there are times when her selfishness is going to be present and there are times when she's not going to be and finding that balance where you say okay a person who is selfish is not selfish all the time there are reasons that they will do and participate for their own self-interest and like using that element to say, okay, yeah, no, I'll go with you because I want something over there, but only because I want something over there. Not because I want to help you. This is for me. Um, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. the heart of gold. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, it, it is a balancing act trying to figure out how you would play someone who is selfish just has the desperate need to forward their own goals and it's hard not to do it in a way that would be to the detriment of the rest of the party if you're Mm -hmm. pushing too hard on the this is what my character wants because like it's like i mentioned earlier the excuse of well it's what my character would do that's only going to carry you so far before it just turns into i don't care if it's what your character would do your character is complete and utter shit you know, like yeah. you gotta, you have to figure out when to pump the brakes and when to go with what else is going on, mm-hmm. even if it is not ag- exactly and actually what your character would do if they got their way. I mean, for me, if you're playing a truly selfish character, it, it's not necessarily difficult to avoid that in a way. You just have to really kind of imagine what it is, what it means to be selfish as a character, um, because selfish doesn't mean like, oh, I, I, give me all the stuff and everything. Selfish can just be that, you know, you're willing to not go back into that burning building to save the orphans because you might get hurt. Really selfishness? That's just not being selfless. Like, like selfishness is not a self-preservation it's an actual negative character trait yeah it it depends on like the reason like maybe you went into into the burning building to get a rare artifact or something Mm -hmm. and then you heard kids cry and you're just like 
Well, I'm not going back in there. Not the artifact. Um, but uh, yes. In in terms of it though, it, it's it's more of like selfish does not equal stupid. Um, which hmm. when I have seen selfish characters played, often that kind of comes up of the, oh no no, I want that thing. Okay, but there's a trap. Yeah, but I want it. You can want something and know it's not a good idea to go for it. Like a selfish person does not, you know, a selfish person doesn't want to go steal the Declaration of Independence. You know, like could. It, yeah. you could if you wanted. If you had I mean, a good plan. some people are that selfish. Um, hmm. If you if you have, if, you have if, a good if plan. you're Nicholas Cage, uh, <laughs> you're Nick Cage. Yeah. If you if you have a good plan, then you might be willing to do it. But you're not just going to walk up and try and grab it because it's there. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, and that's kind of where it, it is for me. You if you want to play a selfish character, make sure you're playing a smart character. I guess. But like, if you're a smart character, what's stopping you from like swindling your fellow players? Oh, that's how you do it, though. That 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 is one hundred percent how you do it. Like, use trickery and manipulation with with the other players in the party mm-hmm. to try and get their things. You know, don't don't like break rules or be overly aggressive about it or whatever when you're actually playing the character. But I mean, do it. That if that's what how selfish your character is try it and if it doesn't work just don't you know don't be a bad sport about it if it doesn't work you know if you try to slide a hand to steal the letter out of you know the the admissions letter to college out of your friend's backpack don't be a sore loser when they catch you because they have high perception or something you know what i mean i don't think those are transferable Um, they are not not. it's not like the golden (laughs) ticket to the wonka factory man you cross out their name right in your own name you're like just really get right in sharpie Oh, that'd be a fun plot. Like, um, <laughs> like having to pass his students at Magical University or something. That'd be fun. Um, oh, yeah. Pass his students at Magic Stanford. Yes. Magic Stanford. Yeah. And it's even more fun if, like, none of your characters have magic powers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're about to, like, fighters and monsters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're just a thief rogue and you want it just because it's there. <laughs> <laughs> You I get, want to steal a diploma from this magic university. Or like you're a barbarian, you try and lie and say you got in on a football scholarship or something. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, if I wasn't already playing a barbarian. <laughs> my god, that was such a fun but difficult character if you were like a non-magical character pretending to be a wizard. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Um, anyway. Okay, so... We've discussed quite a bit of stuff. Um, so, like, everybody's a little bit selfish once in a while, I think. Like, it's human mm. nature. Yeah. Um, how, how can you, like, monitor yourself at the table to make sure your pursuit of fun is not impeding other people's pursuit of fun? I mean... You do get caught up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I think it just requires a base level of self-awareness of knowing when you are towing the line. You know, like, um, like you know, <clears throat> just to use like this past session as as an example. The what I was what I was doing with Quinn for like a good chunk of the opening was basically get Oriana in position for where that character can do what that character needs to do 
shove her into the position as much as possible and then get the fuck out of the way as quick as I can and like immediately jump in the back seat because what I was figuring is it is essentially for that particular part of the plot everybody else's job to just push her up at the front where she needs to be at the moment and then get out of the way and then get back in when it's time you know and that's what you basically need to be able to do is you need to recognize when is it your turn Mm -hmm. and when is it someone else's turn when is it time for that other character to get into the spotlight and have their moment and get their bits of the narrative forward Mm -hmm. and you know like you know, it's like basically it's like the gambler gambler no one to hold them no one to fold them and no one to walk away and when to run yeah i mean i, th- I think a lot of it is a matter of no when it's not about you mm-hmm. like perry for example same as quinn like this was oriana's story this was oriana's moment in the sun so like i was very aware like perry's gonna be supportive but she's gonna be in the background so like know when to just step back and not insert yourself. If your character would say a line and then get the fuck out, then do that. Mm-hmm. Know when you don't have to be involved. Mm-hmm. And know when to enjoy the show. As we're also watching the show. Mm-hmm. In terms of like the long health or, or the long game, the, the health of the campaign, just make sure you're keeping open lines of communications with the other players and the DM as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if it starts becoming a problem, the sooner somebody can kind of let you know and start to fix that problem, the, m- the more you can enjoy that kind of game with your friends. But if, you know, you're refusing to talk to your other friends, if you're refusing to, uh, you know, kind of check in and make sure that the, the style you're playing, which is sort of high risk, high reward in terms of RP, um, is negative if you're not checking in with your friends and it negatively impacts them then you're just gonna you're gonna cause uh, a rift in, mm-hmm. in in your group in your party in your campaign and that's you know unfortunately one of the ways campaigns just end groups just stop wanting to play together because mm-hmm. of, of something mm-hmm. going wrong yeah tragic um do 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 so as as like a DM, if there's a person at your table who's self-absorbed, um, what can you do to like guide them back into a position where they can play with the other people? Or like, is it your um, is it your responsibility to do that? Or what do you think? I mean, if it's your game, you do bear a good portion of the responsibility to make sure that the other people are, you know, basically playing nice is dm does kind of make you into table mom a little bit sometimes Mm -hmm. you know like i will turn this game around right now if you can't get along Uh, so be nice or we're not gonna get to see the dragon Mm -hmm. i will drop a tarasque on this thing so fast (laughs) but um yeah it does sort of turn into if you see that there is some sort of problem or if the other players are saying, hey, this is a problem, then you you need to see what you can do either narratively to try and get a character back on the rails or just with, you know, side conversations outside of the game with the player in question. They're like, okay, look, I, I, I need to know what you're trying to do here because mm-hmm. he, here's what you are doing. 
And here is the impact it is having on not just the rest of the game, but also the rest of the humans at the table. So how can we get whatever it is you're trying to get in a way that will not alienate the rest of the party and the rest of the players and make sure that we can move things back towards actual functional play? And then there also does come the very unfortunate cases where you try that and then nothing fixes it. And then you yeah. just have to make a call of, look, we tried talking about this. We tried mm -hmm. doing whatever we could to fix it. We you know, bent the campaign over backwards to try and make it work. It is not going to work. This is it for you. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, that's about where you know just where you got to step in is like one yeah. or the other basically yeah is everyone thoughts that's roughly sums up my thoughts about it too. yeah mind you well beans okay um it's good actually because we're just about at our time for the night do you guys have any closing thoughts on this topic before we say good night I mean, the only thing that I would say is with what a lot of Jake was saying about how to play the selfish character and how you know, with Ellie about have balance, it's very interesting because mm -hmm. Oriana has had a lot of very selfish and self-interest and self-absorbed traits that he has been having to juggle with, you know, trying to balance it in ways that make the party not mm -hmm. hate her for it. And so far has been mostly successful annoyed yeah. with largely in some cases yes very much but you know people get annoyed with shit it's whatever but as far as not wanting to have anything to do with said character anymore or with wanting to tie her to an anchor and throw her off the nearest pier that has not come up yet yeah, i said yet because i don't yet. know what's gonna happen yeah, I know. I mean, I think Oriana is a good example, the way that Jake plays her and major props to you for this because it is hard to balance. Oriana can be very self-interested, but Jake finds a good way of showing, and I really like this, ways that she her self-interest is in the interest of the party. And that's how you keep things together without like destroying everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She also very obviously cares about the party. Yes, yes that as well. That that's the, that's one of the things that makes it work is because yes, she is selfish. Yes, she is self-interested in a lot of ways about a lot of things, but there is a base level of caring about the others around her mm -hmm. that makes it so you can kind of see what she's doing and why if she's trying to couch it in wanting to, you know, make the you know, make things work better or make the situations go better for the rest of the party. And also I will say this props to the DM about having her selfishness come back and bite her in the ass in so many delightful ways so far. Well done, ma'am. Well done. Yeah. I think that's the other thing that, that, that you do as a DM is if you have somebody who's playing a selfish character, mm -hmm. make sure that mm -hmm. that doesn't always benefit them. Yes. Make sure the universe occasionally likes to just slap that person around a little bit. Like, uh -uh, nope. <laughs> Oriana is really fun to play because of that reason, because she she's a selfless person. She wants to help people, but she knows in order to help people, she needs to be strong and have access to powerful items and things like that. 
So her her selfishness comes out of a desire to be selfless mm -hmm. and help mm -hmm. people. Yeah, it's an interesting character trait. Um, also, real quick before we end, um, mm. what Chad said made me realize something. I think the secret to playing a character with like negative traits is just to be friends with the party. Because like once your party has that bond of friendship, like negative traits become lovable. This is true. Yeah. I mean, it's like with real friends. It's like with real friends. Yeah. yeah. We've, yeah. we've called D and D friendship simulator before. Yes, and it <laughs> yes. really is. Yeah, it really that's is. very true. Um, mm. Cool piece. And with that, we are going to end. We went exactly four minutes late, but that's fine. Um, thank you guys for being on the show. It's a great episode. Um, thank you to everyone who's watching, to everyone who tunes in on Tuesday week after week. Everyone who tunes on Friday week after week to see all the zany shenanigans and then us talking about the zany shenanigans um, forever and ever. It's great. Keep tuning in. Um, thank you to our patrons uh you can check out our patreon is linked on our twitch page and we have cool little prizes and stuff every um every month lots of behind the scenes stuff you can't get anywhere else you have to pay exactly one dollar per month for it uh please pay us um check out <laughs> check out our store we've got also merch that you can buy which is not a monthly payment it's just once um check out our YouTube, we've got all of our old episodes up there. Check out our Twitch. We've got some of our old episodes and clips and stuff up there. Um, check out our podcast. I always forget to shout that out, but it's quite popular, I think, in Australia. Um, in a few places. In a few places, you know, it's uh, we're doing numbers in countries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are numbers and there are countries. Um, <laughs> there sure are. <laughs> Thank you to Sunbury and Lamiaus who did our music and our title card. Um, and I hope you all have an amazing night. Good night. Night. Night, everybody. Night.